Good morning, Woodland, and thank you for joining us today. I am so happy that you're here with us, and I hope that you have invited friends, and maybe you're sponsoring, sponsoring watch parties today. I am so proud of all of you out there, those of you that are praying with us and interceding, asking God to, to comfort and to heal, to provide. I'm so thankful for everyone here at the church and for what they're doing. Uh, Pastor Corey is doing an incredible job. He and his beautiful wife, Jeanette, is there reaching out and loving families in our church. And I like the fact that uh, Pastor Corey was telling me that Jeanette and the children, they're gathered on the sofa and they're watching. So hi, guys. I love you, and I'm glad you're out there taking notes today. I am so thankful. Pastor Rick has been on the phone calling our elderly, our shut-ins, our small groups are meeting and encouraging one another. Some of you are using an application called Zoom. Some are using Skype and FaceTime. I'm just proud of all of us, for we have not let this virus slow us down from being the church. You know, we may not be able to gather here right now, but we are still the church. We are still called by the Lord. We are still filled with His Holy Spirit, and nothing is impossible with God. Can you say that in your living rooms this morning or wherever you're watching? Nothing is impossible with God. The possibilities that we have are unlimited if we just simply exercise our faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, this morning, I want to take a moment, and I really appreciate Pastor Rick's prayer just now, but coming over to the church this morning, I really had a check in my spirit that we should pray especially for those that are brokenhearted and discouraged. Um, there's got to be inside of us as followers of Jesus, there's got to be this, this grittiness as well as this tenderness. And if you remember, I spoke about this just a few months ago, and I think the Lord was preparing us for what was coming in that message when I did a whole series on grit. But there has to be this grittiness as well as tenderness in us because God restores the brokenhearted. And if you're fearful or you're worried this morning or if you've, you're tempted to give up, maybe you're sick with this thing. I, I don't know who all is listening, but I do know this. It is never time to give up. It is never time to surrender. And I just want to take you to a passage of Scripture this morning. And this is from Psalms chapter 34. The Bible says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he rescues those whose spirits are crushed. I don't know about you, but I can feel in my soul those words, brokenhearted and crushed. Those are pathos words. Those are words that touch me down deep in my spirit. But let me back up for just a second and read. The scripture says, Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his godly people, for those who fear him will have all they need. Say that with me. For those who fear him will have all they need. Even strong young lions sometimes go hungry, but those who trust in the Lord will lack no good thing. I'd encourage you today to read Psalms 34, to read Psalms 30, and just meditate upon those psalms. But would you join me and let's pray right now, okay? And we're going to pray for those that are brokenhearted and crushed. Heavenly Father, thank you that we have the privilege of access into your very presence because of what Christ did for us at Calvary. Thank you for your amazing love and your amazing grace to us. And thank you that this is the confidence that we have that if we ask anything, anything, Lord, in your name, according to your will, that, God, this is the confidence we have that we shall have it. 
And I believe it's your will to restore those that are brokenhearted. I believe it is your will to to restore those that are crushed and to heal them. And I pray that you will put a grittiness as well as a tenderness in the hearts of your people. May those who are sick, Lord, rise up and fight against this disease in faith, Lord, moving against their physical discomfort, moving against their pain, Lord, moving against their discouragement by faith in you. I pray, Lord, that you will take them by the hand and that you will lift them up out of their beds of affliction. I pray for those that are grieving like a family in our church today who could not be with their loved one while they passed away. God, I'm asking you in the holy name of Jesus to touch them, encourage them, strengthen them, Lord. May they find joy in Christ. May they find joy that their Father is in the presence of the Lord, safe and in heaven. And Lord, may we grieve with them while they grieve, but may we have the joy and the peace of God that passes understanding that comes from trusting you. And I thank you for this. Oh, God, how I thank you for this. For it's in Jesus' holy name. And everybody said, amen, amen, and amen. Praise God. I miss you so much. And I can't wait for us to be gathered here together before very long. And I'm not quite sure, but we're casting to the future. We're projecting into the future. We're looking forward to that time where we get to join together again. And it may be that first it starts with small groups, being able to meet in our homes again. So I'm encouraging you to be prepared, get ready for that. It may be that we have to assemble in groups of 50. And if I have to do six or seven services on a Sunday to get everybody, I promise you, we're going to gather together for all those who want to when they say we can have 50 or more together because there's something about the body of Christ being together. I miss your presence here. I miss as we gather in his presence today. So let's be in prayer. Let's watch and let's wait upon the Lord. Let's intercede that this thing is going to be over. Let's pray for our high school and college graduates. I'm really feeling for these guys. I want them to have a memorable graduation. We're going to have a graduation for all of them that go to Woodland right here at this church. Pastor Corey is working on some big plans. We're going to have a feast together. This is a monumental achievement for you, and we want to celebrate that with you. So you be ready. You be prepared. We, are, we, re, we know that you're graduating, and we want to celebrate that with you and with your families and say, well done, well done, as you get ready for this next season in life. And while I'm speaking, if you haven't yet, download the app. You can follow me along uh, with the message notes if you've got multiple devices. But you can also give this morning. And Pastor Corey had planned to be in for this time of the year. And so I've just been trying to respond to what I believe the Lord is saying to us from his word of how we should respond during a crisis. And in a crisis, how do you choose joy? How do you choose not to live overwhelmed? How do you choose not to live defeated? How do you choose not to become bitter? Well, Jesus tells us to always be joyful. Now, now think about that. Even in a crisis, whether it's cancer whether it's uh, career failure, whatever it is, Jesus tells us to be joyful. Now, why would the Bible tell us to be joyful? I think it's real simple. First of all, Christ was born to save us from our sins. Jesus came and lived a life among us, and he showed us how to live a full life. He showed us how to live a happy life, a joyful life. He showed us how to love people. He showed us how to forgive people. He showed us how to care and to heal the sick. He showed us how to pray. Jesus 
not only came and was, was born to show us what God is like, but to show us how we can live in fellowship with God. But he died for our sins. And when he died for our sins upon the cross, he was raised again on the third day and defeated death for you and me. That's the reason that I tell people who have died in faith, our, their families, when they've died, their loved ones have died in faith, you know, weep for yourselves. Don't weep for them, for they are in heaven with Jesus Christ. And those of this congregation that you're dealing with that today, I hope you hear that. We weep for you, but we rejoice with your loved ones because they are in the presence of Christ. But I not only choose joy because of what Jesus did for us, I'm adopted into the family of God. God has called me his son. I am his father. You are his daughter. He calls you his daughter. God has given me a purpose for life, a purpose that is eternal, a purpose that is unending. God has given me overwhelming victory to live by. God has put his precious Holy Spirit inside of us that live for Jesus Christ. God has given us a hope, and God has given us a future why should I not be joyful because of what the Lord has done for us? I can tell you this morning beyond a shadow of a doubt, though I know what it means to feel brokenhearted, and though I know what it means to be crushed in my spirit, I know what it is to also to experience the supernatural joy of Jesus Christ in my life. And let me tell you something else about joy. When you are a joyful person, you're giving a gift to others around you. When you are a joyful person, you're bringing blessings into the other person's life. When you're a joyful person, you encourage your family. When you're a joyful person, you encourage your small group. And I'm not talking about putting on a happy face when you're brokenhearted. But when you choose joy, the deep abiding love of Jesus Christ, that everybody that comes in touch with you, they are blessed and they are encouraged because even in your brokenness and in your pain, you still manifest the joy of the Lord. And it's interesting to me that Nehemiah wrote to the people of God who were being persecuted while they were trying to rebuild the temple. He said to them, the joy of the Lord is your strength. So turn to your family members beside you this morning and just share that with them. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Did you do that? The joy of the Lord is our strength. Now, the opposite of that is you can choose to be bitter. During this COVID-19 crisis, you can blame the government, you can blame the healthcare system, you can blame the media, you can blame uh, the rest home, you can blame everybody. There's plenty of blame to go around. There's all kinds of people to blame, and everybody is angry at everybody else, and that's not going to get anything solved. But if we choose the joy of the Lord as our strength, then somehow or another, we can overcome this thing. Here's what I believe with all of my heart. It takes courage. Look at me now. It takes courage. It takes moral courage. It takes spiritual courage to learn all you can about this virus, to learn all you can about this pandemic. It takes moral courage to accumulate that knowledge and then choose to be joyful and to use the knowledge that you have to help other people and to bless other people. It takes no courage whatsoever to complain. It takes no courage whatsoever to be bitter. It takes no courage whatsoever to withdraw and sulk. 
but it takes courage and it takes joy to stand up and say, I'm going to take what I've learned and I'm going to seek to be a blessing to others. I want you to look with me at this passage of Scripture. It's in the outline on the app if you want to follow along, but I'm going to read from Ecclesiastes chapter 8 and verse 14. Some of you, this is going to bring understanding to you, and some of you, you're not going to like it. But this is what the Bible says. Sometimes something useless happens on earth. Bad things happen to good people, and good things happen to bad people. Let's read that again. Sometimes something useless happens on earth. Bad things happen to good people, and good things happen to bad people. There are people that I love dearly right now that have been impacted or else have have this COVID-19 virus. They're good people. They love God. They've done good in their life. They've cared for others. They've shared generously. But that's the result that we live in a fallen world. Sometimes bad things happen to people that love God. And sometimes good things happen to people that don't love God at all. And if we look at that and we become bitter and envious, then our spirits somehow or another begin to shrivel up and our spirits begin to die within us. And friends, you need to understand this is a matter of integrity. And integrity is like this thin little slender shoot that that grows in your life. It's like this little root. You can damage it easily. But if you choose joy and if you rejoice even when you're being persecuted like the early church did, if you rejoice even when you're being beaten for your faith like the early church did, if you endure the agonies of the cross like Jesus did for the joy that was set before him, you will come through this thing being a blessing not only to the kingdom of heaven, but you'll be a blessing to lost people and godly people just alike. My wife told me about a, a game that she used to play with our children. I've, I've never played the game, so I am totally relying on Becky's knowledge here. And it's called Pokemon. And she said you have these little bags of Pokemon that you open up and you have to choose which warrior you're going to battle with. And so I'm asking you this morning, would you reach in your spiritual Pokemon bag this morning and would you choose joy and would you at least learn with me about how to choose joy? And the first way I'd say to do that is bring your grief to the Lord. Bring your grief, bring your pain, bring your tears to the Lord. Remember what the scripture said this morning. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he rescues those whose spirits are crushed. I have to be honest with you, there's a lot of times I don't know what to do with my feelings. Feelings are one of those things that I experience them, but sometimes they're just a mystery to me. Why am I experiencing this? Why am I feeling this way? But I have learned one sure thing to do with those feelings, and that is to bring them to the Lord and to ask God to help me with my fear, ask God to help me with my anxiety, to ask God to help me with my worry, ask Him to help me with my anger, my bitterness, whatever it is, you bring your grief to the Lord. David learned this lesson by encouraging himself in the Lord, the Scripture says. And one of the times he said, if I had a spoke, now listen, if I had a spoke the words that were in my heart, I would have damaged the generations that are going to follow me. Dads, listen to me today. When you wake up joyful, you are a blessing to your family. I can remember hearing my dad get up in the morning, and when he was singing and playful, we knew it was going to be a great day around the Clanton household. 
I have always tried to fill my home with that same kind of joy, although they tell me I start too early in the morning, just to fill my home with a song so that you, you choose it. And a lot of times I have sang when I'm grieving inside. You sing, you pray, you worship when you're grieving. Because if you fail to grieve, the only thing you're going to do is prolong the crisis that you're in. You're going to prolong the epidemic that you're going through in your soul or in your spirit. And so it's good to cry. And some of you need to know that. I was ministering to a family one time who lost a loved one, someone very close, someone very dear to them. And they were so stoic. And I finally just looked at them and said, are you all this stoic? Are, are you not in grief? Do you not feel the pain of loss here? And one of the members of the family who was obviously the more or less the spiritual leader of that family said, well, we've always been taught that you don't cry at a funeral because they're in heaven, and so it would be wrong for us to grieve. And I said, nothing could be further from the truth. Jesus grieved at the tomb of Lazarus. Jesus wept out loud. Jesus knew how to grieve. As a matter of fact, Jesus knows that life isn't always happy. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 7 says that Jesus prayed with loud crying and tears. Let me repeat that to you again. Hebrews 5, 7, he prayed with loud crying and tears. So if you're grieving, if you're crying, if you're weeping, you're in good company because you're in the company of Jesus Christ today. So I suggest to you grieve to, and grieve deeply because if you fail to grieve, cynicism will begin to creep into your heart. And when cynicism creeps into your heart, you become one of those bitter people. You become one of those people that don't have any hope, and you become one of those people that become a critic all the time. Some of you that are in your 30s already, you're learning what Becky and I learned in our 30s. And I was thinking about this this early this week. You know, there's some benefit to getting older. There's some benefit to aging and gaining a perspective on life. But when Becky and I started out in ministry in our 20s, you know, there were so many of our friends that were so deeply in love. There were so many of our friends who also started in ministry with us and were, were just so gung-ho for Jesus Christ. But by the time we got in our 30s, we discovered something. Some of those friends that were so in love, their marriages had broken up. They weren't in love anymore. Some people that had started in ministry with us had already dropped out. As a matter of fact, a friend of mine flew to see me, and he says, I just can't take it anymore, and he dropped out of the ministry. Now, he's having a very successful career, and I'm very proud of him. But you see, there's a shaking that comes in life. Friendships begin to disappear. People who, who loved their jobs and were enthusiastic about a job when they got on at Ford or GM or when they got on with Chrysler or when they got on with, with a computer company, they were so excited and so grateful for their job. And things don't always turn out the way they want, and then they become cynicism, and their favorite song come, becomes Take This Job and Shove It. You know, it's they're no longer in love with what they're doing. They're no longer in love with the people they used to be in love with. They're no longer with their friends while they, like they used to be. Becky and I were walking through our neighborhood in Georgia in our 30s. I was pushing our, our baby carriage at the time, and I remember Becky hooked her arm inside of mine, and she looked at me and she said, sweetheart, could this ever happen to us? Because we'd had another friend of ours, their marriage had failed. 
And I said, no, it will never happen as long as we keep our faith in God, as long as we stay in touch with each other, and as long as we nourish our love in God. Listen to me. Cynicism doesn't begin because you don't care. Cynicism begins because you do care. And that's the reason we become cynical. We, we care about our friends. We care about our marriages. We care about our children. We care about our careers. We care about our futures. And when things, bad things happen to good people, when bad things happen to godly people, if we don't learn how to grieve and bring that to God with our tears and say, God, I don't understand this. I'm angry about this. I'm upset about this. Why is this happening? If we bottle that up, then we just somehow another cynicism and despair. We give up on God. We give up on one another. And we usually don't say it that way. We just say, you know, it doesn't work. Every cynic, listen to me, you need to write this down. Every cynic I've ever met, and I've met a lot of them over 40 plus years of being a pastor, every cynic I've ever met used to be an optimist. Every cynic I've ever met used to be an optimist. And the reason they become a cynic is I poured my heart into that marriage. I poured my heart into that ministry. I poured my heart into that church. I poured my heart into that career. I poured my heart into my children and it didn't turn out right. Friends, sometimes bad things happen to good people, and we have to learn how to grieve. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 5, 4. As a matter of fact, if you've got it up on your device, and, and the scripture should be up there, if you've got it up on your device, repeat this with me. God blesses those who grieve. They will find comfort. Let's say that again. God blesses those who grieve they will find comfort. I want the blessing of God upon my life. I want the comfort that comes from the Holy Spirit that Jesus called the comforter. And I can tell you, I have cried and I have grieved. I have broken down during this time and just wept before the Lord. But I have found the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And I have to be honest with you, at times it has surprised me because it's not by nature something I do very easily. But God comforts those who grieve. Friends, God will bless you when you grieve. It's okay to grieve and to face your feelings. You know, I was reading in my personal devotions this week, I read the book of Ruth again. And sometimes people don't understand your grief. But I loved when, when Ruth was rebuked by, a, by the high priest. She was rebuked because... She, he could see her praying, her lips moving, and therefore she, he couldn't hear her, but he could see her lips moving, and he thought she was drunk. And so he rebuked her, and she said, I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. Look at that. I was pouring out my heart to the Lord, for I've been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. Friends, when you're in anguish and when you're in sorrow, you grieve. You may not grieve out loud. You may not weep out loud. You may pray silently. That's okay. I tell people all the time here at the church, you know, you don't have to pray out loud. God hears you when you pray in your heart. 
But God heard her. God blessed her. God comforted her. God gave her a promise. And her promise was that she would have a son, and his name was Samuel. And if you know your Bible at all, you'd know the story about the great man of God named Samuel. But when she received the word of the Lord, and this is my prayer. Listen now. This is my prayer for you today. Grieve. But that then after you've grieved that you'll wait upon the Lord, she went back home and she began to eat again and she was no longer sad. There is hope and there is joy. Oh, my people, Psalm 62, 8. Oh, my people, trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart to him for God is our refuge. So grieve, admit your feelings to God, admit your fear to God, admit your anger to God, your anxiety to God. If you will grieve, you will get it out of your system before the Lord. But if you don't grieve, eventually you will explode and the toll will be taken on your physical health, your mental health, your spiritual health, or maybe even your heart where you become a cynic rather than a joyful person. So the first thing is grieve. Grieve before the Lord. Bring your griefs to the Lord. Number two, and this is going to be a tough one for some of you guys out there, be vulnerable. Be vulnerable. As a pastor, I've had to learn a lot about vulnerability. You see, it's impossible, and there are three pastors in here with me this morning, it's impossible to be a pastor without being vulnerable because you live your life, the good experiences and the bad experiences. You live your life in front of a congregation. You live your life in front of a community, people who know you. And I have learned because I, the last thing I wanted to be was vulnerable. I, I used to try to cover up my, my vulnerabilities. I tried to cover up my, my, my being born disabled and the things that I wrestled with. But you can't hide from your experiences as a pastor in life. You can't hide what happens with your children. You can't hide what happens with your marriage. Now, you take other careers. You can go build a car. You can operate on a, a, another person in a surgical center. You can program a computer without anybody ever knowing about what's going on in your private life. But when you're a pastor, all of that comes out. And at first, I have to tell you, when I was young, that really threatened me because I saw that people saw me every day. They live with me, their kids. I can remember one time we had planned this big youth event when Becky and I were youth pastors. We planned this big youth event, and we had a concert. We had students coming from all over. And when we got to the venue where we were having this big outdoor event at a state park in Georgia, the park system had not done what we had contracted with them to do. They didn't have any of the equipment there that we had contracted with them. And I can remember my wife, was she was in charge of leading this particular team that was getting set up for the, for the music and for the media and the entertainment. And so when it got there and nothing was there, Becky was obviously frustrated. And one of the teenagers looked at her and says, go ahead and cuss, Becky. It'll make you feel better. Well, she chose not to. She was vulnerable with her feelings. And the kids gathered around and prayed. And we had a marvelous, marvelous outreach, even though everything else didn't work out right. But there is power. Now, listen to me. This flies in the face of some of the popular teaching out there. There is power in vulnerability. When you admit to somebody else your weakness, when you admit to somebody else your fear, then you can start admitting it to yourself. When I can say to someone else, you know, I'm struggling with this, then I begin to own it in myself. 
Because if not, I begin to hide it. And this is one of the reasons that as your pastor, I've always asked you to be a part of a small group. You need people who believe in you when you stop believing in yourself. You need people that believe in you when you fail and they come together and they restore you and they build you back up. You need people that believe in you when, when you're just a fuss budget or you're just a grump and they still believe in you and they put their arm around you and they say, you know what, this is not all right, but we're going to walk through this thing together. Listen to what Galatians 6.2 says, stoop down and reach out to those who are oppressed. Share their burdens and so complete Christ's law. Now let's look at that carefully. Stoop down and reach out to those who are oppressed, those who are, who are brought low by the circumstances of life, those who need our help in our ministry. And don't use this as an excuse for having to social distance. There are so many ways you can reach out and help others through FaceTime, email, cards, telephone calls, encouraging people, sending a gift, anything you can to help them. Yesterday, there was, again, people in our church. They were out being sure that our children had what they needed for uh, today's children's church event that will happen right after this service online. So we can stoop down. We can reach out. We can share their burden. When, I, when you share someone's burden, you get under it with them. You put it up on your shoulders, and you bear it with them. You, you bear part of the weight of that burden with them. You may not be able to bear it all. It's not your call to bear it all, but you bear part of it. Four men got together and they carried their sick friend upon the rooftop where Jesus was teaching and they ripped the roof apart and they let him down in the presence of Jesus Christ. You can share the burden and many hands make light work. But what does it say? It says when we share this burden, are you listening? When we share this burden, we complete God's law. I mean, excuse me, Christ's law. And what was Christ's law? Christ's law was that we love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and we love each other as we love ourselves. Cynics can't do this, but people who choose joy can reach out, and they can do this. Listen, if you're not a part of a small group, you make up your mind right now. I'm asking you, matter of fact, I'm charging you as your pastor that you would reach out, and you would give Pastor Rick a call or shoot an email to the church. You would look for a small group that you can at least join in by Zoom. And by the way, Zoom just doesn't seem to be working on my computer. I've had people try to Zoom me, and I can't Zoom. So if anybody out there knows how to tell me how to get a Mac to work with Zoom, I would appreciate your help. But uh, you join in with a Zoom meeting or a FaceTime meeting or a Skype meeting so that you can participate with a small group. And here's why. You never know when cancer is going to hit. Nobody expected this. Becky and I were talking about this the other night. We were looking at pictures from Christmas time with our children and our grandchildren gathered around and we were celebrating who would have ever dreamed that by March we wouldn't be able to see each other we wouldn't be able to worship here together at the church friends you never know when something's going to happen like this and you need a small group that supports you and loves you through these times so now's the time to reach out and establish relationships let me read you something that C.S. Lewis said and I'm going to it's kind of a long quote from his book, The Four Loves, and I would recommend that book to anybody. But Lewis said, to love it all is to be vulnerable. To love it all is to be vulnerable. Love anything, and your heart will be broken and wrung. If you love anything, you're going to have to deal with heartbreak. 
You've had to deal with that before. He goes on to use the illustration of a pet. If you love a pet, at some point your heart's going to be broken. I remember when our family pet died just a few years ago, I was holding him. And I've never forgotten that moment. And my heart was broken and, and my family's heart was broken. We loved that little animal so much. He was such a loyal animal. When I was so sick, he would not leave my side for three years. He stayed right there beside me. And when we buried that little guy, I will never forget the pain that we felt because we loved him. It's called vulnerability. But Lewis goes on to say, the only place outside of heaven where you can be perfectly safe from the dangers of love is hell. And I can promise you, friend, there is no love in hell. I can promise you, friend, that cynics will abound in hell. I can promise you that bitter people will be in hell. I can promise you that people who live for themselves will be in hell. But the one thing I can promise you that will not be in hell is love and consideration and care. And the last thing you will find in hell is joy. But if you live a life for Jesus Christ, you can know the joy of the Lord is your strength. He will restore the brokenhearted. He will be with those that are of a crushed spirit. And so I say to you, thirdly this morning, choose joy. Reach into that bag like those Pokemon characters that Becky was talking about and choose joy. Let me remind us again, why does the Bible say that we should choose joy? Because Jesus Christ came to die and to save us from our sins. He showed us how to live. He showed us how to love. He showed us how to pray. He showed us how to have victory. He showed us how to have compassion. He showed us how to tap into heavenly resources when we didn't have enough, when he didn't have enough to feed the multitude. He, he prayed and took the little boy's lunch and he fed thousands with it. When a storm threatened, overwhelmed them and sink their boat, Jesus stood up and spoke peace to the storm. When there was no hope for a blind man, Jesus healed him. Friends, there is more to Christianity than what we've experienced. So during this pandemic, let's choose joy and let's reach out and let's put our faith in Jesus Christ today. Because when you choose joy and you choose Christ, then friends, you get a new identity. You get a new purpose in life. The Bible says that you are born again. And joyful people, they make all of our lives better, don't they? Joyful people enhance our lives. Joyful people bring something into our presence. It's the reason, if you've been around Woodland very long, I just, I've been very honest. I don't put up with whiny hinies. I don't put up with people that are complainers. I just don't have room for them in the margins of my life because there's so much that has to be done. Again, I just want to remind you, when Daddy would get up in the morning and he would be singing and he would be playful, it set the day for the whole family. Dads, you're, a temper you're the thermometer. Moms, you're the thermometers in your home. And everybody knows what it's like to wake up with somebody grumpy in the house. But choose to wake up joyful in the Lord. And I'll tell you this, if there's anything I've learned as a pastor, besides vulnerability, is this. There is absolutely, now you're listening, you want to write this down. There is absolutely no correlation between your experiences and joy. I have stood by the bedside of people suffering with cancer, and they shouldn't have been joyful, but their hearts and lives are filled with joy. I have stood by people who've lost their careers, and still they've been joyful. 
I have stood with families who've suffered tragedy and still they had joy. You see, I've been with people who have everything. I mean, they have plenty of food, they have large homes, they have multiple cars, they have plenty of money, they're secure financially, but they're not happy, they're not joyful, they're grumpy, they're bitter, they're cynical. There is no correlation between your experiences and joy. But the secret of joy is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The secret of joy is knowing that God's got this, that God is in control. You choose joy and you choose happiness. I think providentially, several months ago, we started in our midweek series, the study on the book of 1 Peter. And Peter is writing to a persecuted church and a suffering church. And listen to what he wrote in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 6. In all of this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Don't let that pass you by. You greatly rejoice. You greatly rejoice. You greatly rejoice, though right now you're suffering griefs in all kinds of trials. We cannot compare this COVID-19 crisis to the trials that the early church was facing. But still, they chose joy. You know why they chose joy? Because they knew there were some things they couldn't change. They couldn't change that their enemies hated them. They couldn't change that their people were going to persecute them for being followers of Jesus Christ. They couldn't change if they were slaves, that their masters would make their lives more difficult. They couldn't change the fact that some of their loved ones had been martyred for their faith and killed. They couldn't change the fact that they had lost their jobs and many times lost their homes. They couldn't change the fact that their, sometimes their families would disown them. We've looked at all of that as we've studied First Peter. They knew bad Things happen to good people, and all around them they watch bad people being blessed with good things, but they didn't become cynical. They rejoiced because they learned what every passionate follower of Jesus Christ has learned, and that is joy comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ, and one of the ways that you know somebody is a follower of Jesus is they have the joy and the peace and the love of the Holy Spirit reigning in their hearts. Friends, if we were here at church, I'd ask you to just give the Lord a hand clap of praise according to the book of Psalms where we are commanded to clap our hands, all you people, and shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Rejoice in the Lord in the face of this COVID virus. Rejoice no matter what's happened. They rejoiced in what they did have. They had salvation. They had love. They had companionship and friendship. They had one another. Well, let me wrap this up and give you the growth work this morning. So are you ready? Let's look at this. Number one, remember what really matters. Remember what really matters. Years and years ago, when I was in my 20s, I read a book by Eugenia Price. And after I read that book and my wife began reading her books, she published another book that I think you can still find on abooks.com. But she wrote a little book, it wasn't a very big book, but What Really Matters in Life. And that book had a dramatic effect on shaping the course of mine and Becky's life because we knew that <clears throat> some of the things that the secular culture around us were telling us really mattered, that wasn't what really mattered. A life lived for the glory of God was what really mattered. And this pandemic has really clarified for a lot of people what matters, family, your faith in God, your friendships, 
your neighborhood. Neighbors are meeting neighbors that they've never met before. Prayer matters. Generosity matters. Companionship matters. Virtue matters. Virtue matters. And that's what we're learning is what really matters in this life. And I will tell you something else. The church matters. I read an article in the Washington Post just a couple of weeks ago, and I pulled it up this morning just to scan it again real quickly before I left home. But I read a post in the Washington, uh, uh, an article in the Washington Post says, we need religion now more than ever. Friends, we don't need religion. We need Jesus Christ. We need a relationship with Jesus Christ. And the person who wrote the article is an atheist. They don't even believe in God, but they see the value of, quote, religion. What religion will leave you cynical. Religion will leave you disappointed. But Jesus will never let you down. He will always lift you higher than the problems that you're facing. So I would say to you, well, let's look at first Philippians chapter 1 and verse 9. I pray, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you'll keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. I'm praying this passage over you. Every day this week, I want you to remember if you're listening, I'm praying this passage over you. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. Now, he's writing to the Philippian church. This is the church of joy. This is another church that suffered. They didn't become cynical. They became joyful. As a matter of fact, Philippians is known as the book of joy. Did you know that? written to a suffering church, and it's known as the book of joy because they rejoiced in their trials and their tribulations. So he says, I pray that your love will overflow more and more, that you'll keep on growing in knowledge and understanding, for I want you to understand, read it with me, what really matters. Look at the other folks sitting beside you this morning and go, I want you to understand what really matters. I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless, virtuous. You may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ returns. What really matters is my faith in God. What really matters is my family, my friends. What really matters is the body of Christ, His church. What really matters is God's purpose for my life. That is to be a pastor that persuades people to become passionate followers of Jesus Christ. For you, your purpose is something different, but your purpose is still to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Your purpose is still to do life with other people. Your purpose is still to grow in the knowledge and grace of Jesus. Your purpose is still to share the love of God with other people, lost people. Your purpose is fulfilled as you live out what really matters in this life. So I just have some encouragement for you there. Number one, start practicing daily gratitude. When I get up in the morning, I, I get my journal out after I've had my devotions and prayed, and I write down several things every day I'm grateful for. I try to write down at least three things about Becky that I'm grateful for, things that I'm grateful for about the church and our family, my health that God has given me. But start your day with gratitude. Then end your day with gratitude. Write something in your journal at night. It doesn't have to be long. It can be a word or two, just what you're grateful for. Number two, learn from these experiences. Journal what you're feeling. Journal your fears. Journal your grief. Journal your hopes right now. Journal what people in your small group, journal where you feel vulnerable at in life. And again, when I say journal, you don't have to be, you know, a poet. You don't have to be a, a great writer. I'm not a great writer. Sometimes it's just a sentence or two, or sometimes it's a phrase. 
but put it down and remember it so you can pass these lessons on to the generations. Because if David feared, now listen, if David feared if what he said cynically and bitterly came out of his mouth would harm the generations, then think about dad, mom, think about husbands and wives, what you share that you're learning and how you're growing in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, how you're growing in virtue and faith. Think about how that will bless your children, your grandchildren, your great-great-grandchildren that you may never see if Jesus teaches it tarries. Friends, humility, humility will increase our teachability. Secondly, put your faith in Jesus. And I'm not just talking to lost people here. I'm calling upon the body of Christ. Exercise your faith in God. Jesus says, have faith in God. Have faith in God. One time the disciples wanted to know how to increase and grow their faith. So today I'm encouraging you, have faith in God. Whatever is happening right now, whatever the difficulties you're passing through, whatever pressures you feel, wherever you feel vulnerable, whatever you're tempted to become bitter about this morning, put your faith in Jesus and pray about it. Be vulnerable with other people in your small group or your family, but choose to be joyful about it. Let me be clear. When I'm saying being joyful, I'm not talking about a phony smile. I have told you just a few minutes ago that sometimes I just weep. I hate what this virus is doing to people. I hate what it's doing to our nation. I hate what it's doing to our families. I hate what it's doing to our economy. I'm not joyful about that. But I am joyful in the midst of it because I know God has got this and I'm clear about what really matters in life. And if you say, Pastor, I don't know how, you can be wiser, you can be stronger, you can increase in your faith if you'll just simply cry out to Jesus vulnerably this morning, admit to others to pray with you vulnerably this morning. From Mark 9, 24, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. I do believe, if that man, I am convinced, if that man had not shown his vulnerability to Jesus, his son would have continued to have been tormented. Vulnerable people, the Bible says that God is close to the brokenhearted and he rescues those whose spirits are crushed. But it also goes on to say, the righteous face many troubles, but the Lord rescues him from each one of them. Come on, victory. The righteous face many troubles, but the Lord rescues us. Look at Ephesians 1, 7, and 8. If you're listening and you're not a follower of Jesus, would you just listen to this? God is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son, and he forgave our sins, and he showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God is not mad at you. God loves you. And so I'm inviting you today to Put your faith in Christ to trust Jesus to save you from your sins. He will not only forgive you of all your sins, he will not only wash away all your sins, he will make you a brand new person. But Jesus will give you strength. He will give you supernatural strength. Remember that suffering church, the Philippians I just talked about? I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Philippians 4.13. You can choose joy because God will give you the strength to do so. Sin is sapping you of joy. Sin is robbing you of victory. Sin is slowly destroying your life. But when Jesus Christ wiped away your sins by his blood, 
God brings life and joy into you. Secondly, he'll give you peace. You may be genuinely troubled by what all's going on right now, but God will give you peace. The scripture says that he will keep in perfect peace all who trust in him, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Look at this. If you don't have peace this morning, fix your thoughts upon the Lord because he will give you perfect peace. I love that phrase, perfect peace. God's going to give you a future. Listen to me. I really prayed about how to close this message. God's going to give you a future. And you can thrive tomorrow depending on what you do today. You can flourish tomorrow depending on where you put your faith today. You have a future and a hope depending on what you do with this word today. So if you, don't have, if you haven't given your heart to Jesus, surrender to him, turn away from your old life, and follow after Jesus Christ, a life of love and peace and joy. And then if you're a Christian this morning or you're making this decision to commit your life to Christ, then begin to pray. I would suggest praying three times a day. I would pray in the mornings, the afternoons, and I'd pray in the evenings. Read your Bible. If you need help with a Bible reading program, I'll help you. I'll send you a gift of a Bible to help you get started. Begin to journal every day. Begin to call people and share the love of Jesus Christ. Seek out a small group so that you have life-giving friendships, so that you have life-replenishing friendships. My prayer partners who have called me and prayed with me this week, they replenished my soul. Hopefully, I replenished them by just laughing and talking and praying with them, weeping with some of them, life-replenishing friendships. And then I would say to you, be sure you're getting rest. I am concerned. I read this week that television time in the United States has increased 60%. If the stats were true before the COVID crisis, what is going on? You need to go to bed on time. You need to get up early. And maybe I sound like your daddy here. But let me be your dad for just a moment. Get plenty of rest. Exercise so that you take care of yourself, so that you can take care of other people. These things, they will build you up. They'll nourish your soul. They'll enrich your life. Well, let me close with these two verses, and then we're going to pray. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. You can thrive tomorrow depending on what you do today. You can flourish tomorrow, depending on what you do today. And in Psalms 112, in verse 6, their circumstances will never shake them, and others will never forget their example. They will not live in fear or dread of what may come, for their hearts are firm, ever secure in their faith. Read that with me. Their circumstances will never shake them, and others will never forget their example. They will not live in fear or dread of what may come, for their hearts are fear, firm and never secure in faith. Beloved, hear me this morning. I have watched people go through difficult, trying times and circumstances, and all of those memories of those who came through it without cynicism, those who came through it with their faith intact, those who came through it loving God and loving people, they inspire me to this day to be a better man, to be a godly man. And then I remember those who gave in, 
who lost a marriage because of cynicism, who lost a career because of cynicism, who lost their child because of cynicism. Friends, there is a future and there's a hope depending on what you do today with Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads and would you close your eyes and would you pray with me this morning? If you're not a follower of Jesus, if you've never given your heart to him, then right now, you can ask him to forgive you of your sins, and he will. You can ask him to come into your life, and he will. You don't have to understand it all. You just have to trust God. You're not an accident. You're not a mistake. You are the beloved of the Lord. You are why Jesus died. So pray this prayer with me, but pray it with sincerity. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, Thank you for believing in me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for giving Jesus Christ's life as a sacrifice for my sins so that I could be saved. And thank you, Lord, for the promise and the hope that I have because you raised Christ on Easter Day. Thank you, Lord, that I have a future and I don't understand it at all, but I give my heart and I give my life to you Help me to live for your glory and honor. And I want to pray for all the families out there. Jesus, I thank you for every man and woman who loves the Lord. I thank you for every Christian family, for every mom and dad that gather their children around a television screen or a computer screen or every individual that's holding a phone in their hands to watch this service. I ask you, Lord, that you will help them to grieve as unto you. I ask you, Lord, that you'll help them to be vulnerable. But I ask you that most importantly, that, Lord, you'll help them to put their faith in Jesus Christ. With God, all things are possible. The possibilities for our lives in this crisis and after this crisis are unlimited through you. And I ask this all in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen, amen, and amen. Somebody say, come on, victory out there. If you prayed with me to give your heart to Jesus, will you please let us know? Just click on uh, Facebook there that you did or on YouTube that you did. And if you don't want to do it there in a public way, then would you send me an email? I'd, I'd really love to hear from you this morning. Would you just send me an email that says, you know, I prayed with you this morning to give my heart to Jesus. I have something I'd love to send you tomorrow to help you in your walk with Christ if you need help. You know, let us know that as well. Just send it to office at woodland.church. Office at woodland.church. And we'll respond right away. We love you. And may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord open your eyes to the future and the hope that he has for you. May he protect you. And may he watch over all that matters to you. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.